We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And Lakers had an incredibly fun win. Mike just described it as a rally-around-the-flag type of win. I love that description because this stretch without LeBron and AD those guys are cosmetic in nature, right? In terms of how they impact the rest of the team. We've talked about this throughout the year, but they cover for a lot of mistakes, a lot of flaws, a lot of weaknesses that other players have. So in the absence of them, I think that this period of time has been one of the most informative of the season about what the Lakers culture is because, and they're a big part of that. And Frank Vogel gets a ton of credit for that, but so do the players, the leadership of this team on several different levels should get credit for that, right? It's not, not just Vogel, but Vogel's a huge part of that. Big portion of that is on the defensive end. D I was so proud and it goes beyond this Brooklyn win to a, a larger point We've had several different versions of this team, right? Where you have the fully healthy version that started the season. Then you have the version with everybody except AD. And then everybody except AD and Schroeder when he went out for health and safety protocols. And then, of course, LeBron goes out. We were without Mark, each of which presents a different puzzle of sorts for them to solve. And it's all had the same pattern. They start out a little bit slow but they keep working on it. The chop wood, carry water, right? Pay attention to the details. I tweeted something from my account of AC talking to, to Anthony Davis and Marcus Gasol and Phil Handy in a timeout about an overhelp on KD. They're constantly focused on the details of basketball, of how do we do this better? And every different version of this team, D, they have gotten better at being that current version. And we're seeing that again with this group and no better way of illustrating that than just a really proud to be a Laker fan type of win last night. I thought Schroeder's postgame comments about the messaging around this game this morning after our walkthrough in the room, right, with like the coaches. And, and he really credited Frank Vogel with this. But I think this filters through the entire team is we're winning this game. And I think that idea stems from that idea of culture and 
the stuff around the defense, we've always talked about just in sports in general. I think this is a general theme, but in the hardest moments, like you default to who you actually are. And the Lakers are nowhere close to being a full roster. They had nine players available yesterday against the Nets. At the time that we're recording this, it was yesterday. And everyone sort of understood what their role was going to be. And and that's helpful, right? We're all going to play. We're all going to get X number of minutes. Everyone is in the rotation. Shots are guaranteed. Everyone can be comfortable. And there's a freedom in that, right? But the idea of we're just going to compete defensively, that has been the bedrock the foundation of what this team wants to be. And, and I think you do credit Vogel, especially for that, right? Like, I think when you go back to last season, we talked about, oh, Anthony Davis's arrival and LeBron's buy-in and all of, and all of that stuff is true, but it's the head coach who sets that foundation of this is the style that we want to play. And Pete, you said like Vogel deserves a lot of credit, Mike, I think that in a way he deserves all of the credit. I get the players have to go out there and execute, but there's a standard that is being set by the head coach here of this is what we're going, going to do. And you better be doing it or else I'm sure he's going to be having problems with guys and, and he'll tell them point blank face to face or in the film room, because we know one of his biggest strengths as a coach is communication so clearly he is getting his message across to these guys that this is who we are and this is what we want night to night there's no question this was a frank vogel special recipe of what he likes to see from a basketball team and it's all of the things that both of you guys just described in his words after he says the biggest lesson is the value of playing team basketball playing selflessly you have a chance to win every night even if we're depleted, we have enough to win. And this is the message that he's been giving these guys. Uh, Schroeder talked about at shoot-around yesterday morning. Vogel, in his presentation of how they were going to play, told them he believed that they would win if they played like that. And the the opposite, I think, was what all of, all of those on the outside looking at the Nets, and they had KD, they had Kyrie. Uh, now, look, I, we can, we'll break this out further. I think the Kyrie ejection had a, a major impact on that. So all of that is great, and they get full credit for that. There's no question. Uh, everybody gets credit, and it's something you should feel good about. The The flip side, not that there needs to be a flip side, but this was kind of the inverse of what the Lakers often see, where the other team that doesn't have as less talent rallies around the flag. The Lakers didn't – you know, this happened a lot in the midseason, right? Didn't quite come out with the same level of focus and energy, and then all of a sudden you get to the second half, you, you make your little run like Brooklyn did, and then something else happens and the other team has their confidence. How many pods have we talked about that during Laker losses this year? So Steve Nash was upset after the game for similar reasons that Frank Vogel was excited. And so I don't take a ton away from this, just like the result, at least. I don't. Uh, I, I think that it's great. It helps the Lakers standings wise. It helps them mentality wise, confidence wise, all that. But in terms of Brooklyn, I think it's more just on them that they didn't step up that way, except for one thing. And we can, we can get to that a little bit later. Uh, but that one thing is the, the athleticism and yeah. the force at, at the rim. So that's something we could probably get into. But other than that, I, I found myself like as, as exciting and as fun as it was to watch that game. I thought that it had a lot to do with Brooklyn and how they came out as well. So the result, 100%. But 
it's not about the result and it's not about them. There's going to be some nights where we play the way that we did last night and we still lose because we don't have enough talent. That's going to happen. That's basketball. But you have to beat us. That whole we're going to roll the ball out there and beat you because we got Kyrie and KD. You're 100% right that they did not come out with the requisite effort and that we will very likely see uh, a much higher level of play from them. And I think we could do, and I, you know, hopefully it gets to that point, right? But we can do all sorts of pods about how these two teams match up, how the precision of the Nets offense is really interesting against our scrambling defense. You know, we can get into all the details of that, but it comes down. It's much more foundational than that has nothing to do with Brooklyn, nothing to do with the result is that we're going to go out there and we're going to compete every night. We are going to focus on the details and we are going to care and we are going to work together. And that's why that's I'm not trying to take away credit from Vogel. I'm just trying to highlight and, and illustrate there's a togetherness of this team that shows up on defense when teams are really tight and really together and resilient. That's where you see it on the defensive end. It's the mental engagement. It's the willingness to rotate and help. Schroeder got hurt before he got ejected because we closed out. Who did, who had the closeout? It might've been McKinney chase Brooklyn, uh, chase, chase Blake Griffin off of a corner three. Dennis rotates over. If you're not a together team, if you don't believe in yourself, that rotation, particular rotation doesn't get made. And he gets plowed over by a much bigger dude and busts up his tailbone as a result of that. That's Lakers basketball. And because we're the Lakers and we're perceived as the glitzy glamour Hollywood team and whatnot, if this team played in a small market, They'd be beloved by everybody across the NBA because this team competes their asses off every single night. And I don't know what the future holds, but I am proud of when you worry about the things that you can control, this Lakers team checks a lot of those boxes. I just want Darius to go through and give a few flowers for this one. Uh, uh, Darius, how about a little Alfonso McKinney? How about a little Ben McLemore? How about a little THT? Please. Look, man, so the thing I appreciated most about this game isn't like the result was great. And to Mm -hmm. win a game against a Brooklyn team that I thought in the end was going to basically just pull away in the second half. Right. I thought that Brooklyn's offense was going to start to build some momentum. And as good as the Lakers can be defensively, that swing, 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 open three. Oh, like Laker turnover. Right. Drive, kick, open three. And I thought over time that was going to be a little bit demoralizing for the Lakers. Very similar to the first matchup that they had against this team. That was a tricky game because Dennis was out very last minute, right? But to me, this game was emblematic of a few things. And Mike, all those individual performances, man, McKinney, great on the backboards, just crashing the glass with reckless abandon on both ends of the floor. He was chasing and getting his hands on so many offensive rebounds. Even when he did not grab them, he was knocking them out of bounds. He was tipping them to different parts of the court. And all of that served to 
help the Lakers get back in transition defense in a way as well that I thought was super helpful. And then even when he was behind the play, sprinting his way back into the action to make sure that the Lakers weren't losing continuity in their early transition defense. And then when settling into their half court defense, I thought THT as a playmaker especially there were some sections of the game where he got probably a little bit sped up. Um, I thought the end of the third quarter was a great example of that. And Vogel went back to Caruso, who I thought played at a much better pace and settled things down. But THT's ability to get into the paint and just muscle guys making the right read. So team's defensive game plan has caught up to THT. They know what he likes to do, but because they know what he likes and he is clearly now a focus of the game plan, even if he's like the third or fourth focus, he is he is in the scouting report now as as a front page piece on this version of the Lakers. And so he benefits as well now from that. And so when he drives, guys are watching him like weak side defenders are watching him, Pete. And he's able now to kick out. And he's also taking the jumper. Even if he he shot, I looked in the box score yesterday. I was like, oh, he went four for 16. It seemed like he played better than that. And he did. But part of it is just taking that jump shot, loosen things up, loosens things up for those kickout opportunities, for those 11 assists in a way that when he wasn't taking the jumper, like that is the counter to being on the front page of the scouting report. Yeah, he's he's got to mix up his his game. And I thought that he did that effectively last night. But 11 assists is 11 assists, man. Like he is spraying the ball around. He is finding his big guys on on dump out passes. And and all of that is is just great progression from from him, from where he started the season to where he is now. And then Ben McLemore, man, I was waiting for him to have a moment where it's just like, okay, where's the Ben McLemore from like last season and like the season before? Because this season, his shooting numbers have been a bit down. And I think the shot quality has played into that. Early in the game, I think he started one for four or something like that, Mike. And he had taken like a sidestep three. He had right like off of the dribble side. They were hard shots. They were difficult shots. He was one for five from three entering the fourth quarter. And I think that make came right at the end of the third. But then he turned into the human torch, right? Like he is so great at setting his feet and squaring his shoulders to the basket, regardless of whether he's on the move or not. And he could be running fast, man, coming off of a pin down or just coming off of a dribble handoff and he plants that inside foot and he turns and he squares and he is into his shot, man. And to see those go down, I thought it changed the tenor of the game. In the spirit of the Lakers being athletically superior, Ben McLemore is not a particularly big or strong guy. Uh, He's not tall, doesn't have some crazy wingspan. But he can play fast, which is something that KCP can do. So that exact action that you're talking about where he catches and squares to the basket, that's what leads to 10 three-point attempts in the first place. We needed a guy who could get up 10 threes in a game, Mike. And so like when I was talking about KCP insurance with him, that was probably not put particularly well or framed that well. But part of what I meant was that ability to play at a high speed and be able to get shots up 
quickly is similar to KCP in a respect where like that is overwhelming in its own respect when especially when you have so much power and size and athleticism in the front court the ability to do that too which is kind of something that plays off of that advantage is is really lethal and we saw just a little glimpse of that yesterday yeah so he was four for five from three in the fourth quarter and what Darius was talking about with his shooting mechanics the play that stood out the most to me is Caruso did uh, had a, a switch a swing from like I think he was at the top of the key, but on, on like the right side of the court. And he threw it in the opposite corner where McLemore was waiting and McLemore had to jump to catch it. And so, but so he catches the ball, he lands and he goes straight back up, which yes. is not easy. <laughs> so that's, nope. a, that's not an easy way nope. to shoot a layup, uh, let alone a three. And he, so somebody asked him about it after the game. And what he said was he's been working a lot in the last several off seasons. Remember, he's been in the league since 2013, as we talked about in the McLemore pod. And he's been working on however the ball comes, he knows how to get into a shooting position right away. That's what he works on. He works on, think about, think about Ray Allen, like somebody that does weird stuff pregame, and at least it looks like it's weird, or Steph Curry, where they're shooting the ball from weird angles, they're catching it, they're going off of one foot. There, That's the play right there, and he drilled it. And you could see Brooklyn just deflate like any kind of last run that they wanted to have. And so that's, that is a big thing. And then the other part with McLemore, before I get to a more global point, I asked him, Hey, what do you think about playing with LeBron where that ball's coming into your shooting pocket? You don't have to adjust anything. And he's like, we've talked about it. He, he's like, I've talked about it with LeBron because and, and this is oh, so Russo's awesome. getting better as a playmaker. THC is getting better, but you don't know where the ball is going to come there. You know, LeBron is going to, he doesn't make bad passes or if he does, it's very rare. So that's, that to me just increases that percentage of going in even further. Now, uh, Darius, something that you had mentioned earlier struck out to me about this, like the way that the Nets play specifically and what the Lakers were doing as a counter once Kyrie went out, because you and I were in the same spot, we're thinking, okay, Brooklyn's going to make their run. And they, they cut it to four. They get tossed out. So when that happens, Brooklyn doesn't know what else to do. Because James Harden and Kyrie Irving, one of the two, have been getting creating an advantage and thus give, getting open shots. And so when Kyrie goes out, KD isn't quite in that spot yet. He had eight turnovers. It was a little bit like the Lakers right away when LeBron and AD went out when That's there right. wasn't anybody to create that advantage. The Lakers now, they have this whole, Frank Vogel's been working on sort of the system offense a little bit. And, get, and Brooklyn was just lost in that fourth quarter, I think because of that very nature itself. So they scored 19 in the third, 24 in the fourth quarter, and they just weren't quite able to find that advantage. So that's something I think that changes if even, because if Kyrie's on the court there, he's breaking down that first level. So I, I just thought that was an interesting thing that the Nets had to deal with. Yeah, I thought... The current version of the Lakers are much more accustomed to being man down in this very specific way, right? And in a way, the Nets might have even, I don't want to say been better off, right? Because he's the superior player, but they might have been better off if KD had been tossed 
instead of Kyrie, because at least Kyrie is You're more built for it, for that ejection than the other one. Yeah. Well, KD has been out as well. Right. And, and so there is sort of a normalcy mm-hmm. and falling yep. back into a certain like style of play where it's just like, all right, we've got our lead guard. He can organize things and we're going to go that route. But the combination I thought from the Nets perspective that that was really harmful to them is that Kyrie goes out, but also KD is on a minutes restriction, right? And so you may have seen KD's minutes bump up to 35, 36, or 37 minutes. I'm not sure how much it would have mattered this game, considering he's so on the front end of his comeback from a hamstring injury that kept him out for a a very long time. But the Nets were disadvantaged in a real way. But Pete, I would also argue that the Lakers also have built up a certain amount of fortitude and understanding of of how to play right and so you could just as easily argue look man the lakers lost their starting point guard and dennis schroeder was killing he was he was one of the key players that was driving the lakers offense in that first half how much of our offense did we run through a dude who's been here for like 10 days how much was Drummond the guy who was like the guy who everyone was was uh, like the center of the offensive universe? Yeah. He's we should been here for talk 10 about, days. Yeah. We should definitely talk about Drummond. Yeah, thank you. Right. And we, we'll get there because I think that to your point, right, that was not Brooklyn's best effort. It was not. And I'm not looking at this from a, we blew them out and we don't have LeBron and AD. We blew them out by 25 without those two. So therefore, yeah, we're going to win like, by 40. Yeah, it's not like that. This isn't Lakers in three now, right? Like, like we're not jumping to that conclusion. Like, to me, to the point that we were talking about earlier, this is more the Lakers played this game against themselves more so than they played it against the Nets. That's what, what I'm proud of, right? That's, I had nothing why, to do with Brooklyn. that's why I was so excited about this game is the Lakers played a game as the best version of themselves. And they should be happy about that. The fact that they beat a good Brooklyn Nets team, right? And a game, the Nets were favored by 11 points, 12 points, and the Lakers won by 20-something points, man. Like, they should feel good about the result, but they should feel better about the process that they enacted in order to get to the result. The result is the reward for that process, right? And and so that's, that's what I'm proud of. So... That said, I do think that there's a little bit we have to parse out what is real about the matchup. Like, because I do think that there are things to learn from the matchup between the two th- teams, both positive for the Lakers and negative. And then what is absolutely a result of Brooklyn not playing their best for one and then having the type of ejection where like in some ways we've been in so much flux that like, oh, we're just going to run the offense through Drummond for a significant portion of the game like well, shit, we've been like, <laughs> we've run like three, four different versions of ourselves in the last six weeks. So why not? Whereas with with Brooklyn, they've had a lot of guys going in and out of the lineup as well. But mid-game, shot creator without Harden, the same argument applies for sure. That said, I do think that we learned some things. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about what those things are. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I would love to start with Andre Drummond. We've had a couple of games, two games now to see him uh, in full. And I I hope that, like, look, he's got his flaws. He's going to make some of those drives to the basket, right? Like that you're like, oh, what are you doing? What are you thinking of uh, on on this move? But he is a presence. There are, he's had, I saw some stat, I'm going to butcher it, but something like, more 30 20 games than any other player in the nba over the last x number of years like you know how hard it is to get a 30 20 in the nba he's a big physical I dude i couldn't do it i could, I couldn't yeah, it. <laughs> exactly and and so like lamarcus aldridge is a very good player very good player even at this point but the best analogy I could make about that particular matchup is andre drummond is in a different weight class than lamarcus aldridge you are asking a 35-year-old welterweight to go toe-to-toe with a 27-year-old heavyweight. That is a big ask and a big disadvantage just all on its own. I would also argue that, furthermore, that is not what LaMarcus Aldridge has done for the first 15 years or however long he's been in the league, is he's always been a first or second scoring option. And you'd be crazy. We do this with with Anthony Davis, even last year with Dwight and JaVale, right? You'd be crazy to ask your first or second primary option to be banging with the Andre Drummonds and Nikola Jokic's and Mark Gasol's, these dudes that are 250 and above and the physical toll that that puts on them. So not only is this a welterweight versus heavyweight type of matchup, it's a welterweight who's not used to fighting that fight. And I, that doesn't mean LaMarcus Aldridge isn't still a very good player. He got, Aldridge will beat Drummond with skill and technique. He had a nice up and under against him. Uh, He's a good passer, smart player, but that physical presence of Drummond and that physical advantage had a gravity to it that I think has already improved our three point shooting. And anyway, I'd just love to hear your thoughts on just that that particular element of it, that physicality and that presence, Mike, because Drummond, it's it's very noticeable to me. So first, a couple of Drummond things. When Drummond was in Cleveland earlier this year, they actually beat Brooklyn in back to back games, which was sort of odd at the time because Cleveland, although they were playing OK early in the season, you know, Brooklyn was starting to flex its muscles. And at the time, you could kind of dismiss it. Oh, the Nets just didn't play hard, which is which is you can always do that when a team is that talented. But maybe there was a little more to it. And I think it's the same thing in this game. We could say, sure, the Nets didn't match the Lakers hit first, all that. 
But maybe there's some element to it as part of the reason is because they didn't have the horses in terms of bigs to keep up in the paint. And Drummond is the is the consistent piece, obviously, for those three things. By the way, guys, random stat. I know I are uh, one of the PR guys for Lakers texted me this and I, I tweeted it. Drummond joined Bob McAdoo as the only Laker to total at least 20 points and 10 boards in 22 minutes or less. I was just like Shaq never played 22 minutes or less or Elgin or Wilt or Kareem or Magic or even LeBron or even Co- and that, that just kind of shocked me. Um, it's I, I don't know if it's as if it's like crazy impressive just given the minute, but still that 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 was odd. Did you find that odd? In 22 minutes or less, it's probably the minutes. That takes care of Wilt and Elgin, yeah, because Wilt and Elgin. No, no, yeah, my, my apologies. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine Shaq probably just never. Right, he just never. Maybe, maybe played 24 minutes. So anyway, it's a, it's. I digress. Uh, so back, back to the drumming element. So Pete, I had sent you some audio from before the game mm-hmm. on Steve Nash. Oh, thank you for conference. bringing this up. Yes, and what I so what I, the way that I had asked the question to him was how do you think you, the Nets, would match up with an athletic front court like LeBron, AD, and Drummond? And what kind of challenges does that present? What kind of lineups? Because Brooklyn's used a ton. They've experimented all kinds of different ways. But ultimately, in the middle, a lot of times, it's LaMarcus or it's Blake. Even if they went really small, it'd be KD. I don't think they're going to really go to, to Claxton a ton, uh, like in this postseason. They're not even playing DeAndre. So they're just not that big. They're not that physical. They're skilled, but they're not bigger physical. And his answer was basically like, yeah, that, that would that could definitely be a problem. But the reason why the Lakers were special last year is because Anthony Davis is the best small ball five. LeBron James is the best small ball four. Nobody could deal with that. And so he's kind of like, it basically turns into a pick your poison situation. But I think the thing that's exciting about this from a Lakers standpoint is that let's say everything is the same from last game, but AD's in there. And Drummond's not. AD is also, if he wants to, going to be able to just out physical and out muscle and just dunk on Aldridge when he wants to. So even though he's a different type of body than Drummond, and Drummond is more presentable as this force, this kind of just just straight power, AD can do that too. And he did that in the postseason. So that's kind of where I where your your eyes get a little big, Darius, with thinking about it almost doesn't matter which of those bigs you throw at Brooklyn in that specific matchup. And I don't know if they have an answer for Drummond or AD. I mean, they don't really. The Nets are going to be a team that I think is going to look to outscore you. Like in the same way that you may ask. So let's say it's the starting of like the big lineup, right? And Aldridge is defending Drummond, KD, or... I don't know. Someone else, probably KD is is on Anthony Davis. They maybe start Bruce Brown or maybe even James Harden starts on LeBron and on down the line. Right. The Nets to me seem like a team that is willing to live with some of those disadvantages they pose or that they have defensively in order to then say, all right, Anthony Davis, now you get to chase Kevin Durant off of wide pin downs and off of curls and you get to close out to the three point line and we're going to space Drummond out to the arc and run pick and pops against him with, with Lamarcus and then swing swing. And then it's, it's Kyrie on the opposite side. And now he's getting downhill. And it's like, I think that there's a certain trade-off that the nets are willing to accept 
And in a theoretical matchup, what you want from the Lakers standpoint, I think, is, all right, well, we're going to continue then to bruise and try to bully you, right? Which I thought is what Drummond was doing exceptionally well against Brooklyn's front court last night, right? You could tell that the scouting report said, lay off this dude, right? Pete, you mentioned Drummond sort of driving technique. When I watch Drummond drive sometimes, I think of, you ever seen the movie like The Drunken Boxer, right? Like (laughs) there's just like- His balance, he's got some of the shots he takes- I like I would love to give Phil Handy truth serum and just talk to him about Andre Drummond. I would love to hear like why does he shoot these shots? Why does he make these drives? He doesn't like power through contact. He tries to like contort away from it. He's like and and all all of this is while he's like really good in a presence, but he's just I know exactly what you're talking about. It's this he really bizarre style. Yeah. Just real quick, speaking of Phil Handy though, Drummond did have some Phil Handy ball handling stuff because I've seen them working out. Oh yeah. Phil's been mm-hmm. working with Drummond. He had he crossed Lamarcus over at one point and took him to the cup. Like he he's, he's got some good. Art he's skill, got actually. skills, man. Yeah. Like Drummond is a good. Like that's why the discussions about Andre Drummond. I'm like, are we talking about the same player? Like he's not perfect, but yeah, no, Drummond's got something there. But it is definitely unique. D. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so he's got that drunken style, right? Where it's just like, oh, a little bit. I've got you off balance, but guess what? I'm going to out off balance you by being even more off balance when I've got you. And and it's already just like, okay, well, like we're going to do this little dance, right? But what he did last night to Aldridge is they were just like, okay, well, lay off, bait that drive, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They wanted to bait that drive. And what Drummond did is he said, yeah, well, guess what? You going to lay off? I'm taking it to your chest. And I'm leading with my strong shoulder and I'm going to shoot that little lefty hook or I'm going to jump stop, ball fake, get you up in the air and then try to power through you for a finish, which is when he gave the little like too small, right? Which Oh, which- he did that like two, three times last night. That was a, a theme they were trying to impose on the Nets is, by the way, you are too small to defend. You are too small. And projecting a matchup forward, I think that that's where the Lakers are going to try to do to the entire league. And it goes back to the discussion that we've been having ever since the Drummond acquisition. And really, even before that, Pete, when you talked about the morphing of the team coming out of the all-star break and the idea of what they were trying to, from your opinion, at least, of what they were trying to present themselves as moving forward and getting back to some of their roots from last season. But the thing that, And I said this about Drummond when he was signed. I think I said it right here on this pod that, yeah, Pete, you mentioned earlier, let's run the offense through Drummond. They don't have Dennis Schroeder now. He's been ejected. You can ask AC to do a little bit more. THT is going to do his thing. But who's going to be an organizing factor or or sort of operate in the hub of the offense? The thing about Drummond, efficiency flaws or not, is He's been that almost his entire career. He has been asked to fill that role. Mm -hmm. And it was nice to have a guy with that sort of pedigree there to lean on. And last night was an example of the good side of what he can bring against a specific matchup and and a very focused um, defensive approach 
that you could tell the Nets were trying to implement against him. He had answers against that. And it was one of the key reasons why the Lakers, I thought, were able to tread water and then extend on that when the threes started to fall. No, that's that's absolutely the case. That experience in that first and we can, again, debate all of the elements in which he's good at being a first or second option. But you always talk about that slotting. It puts everybody else in more appropriate roles and positions as well. There's it. I don't think it's a coincidence that our threes have been better since he's come into the lineup and that are uh, our turnovers. We had 14 turnovers last night. That's the best that we've done in, in a while. And it speaks to there's just a certain nature of basketball. I want to go back to, Mike, your question to Nash in the pregame about Nash's point, if I took it right, was that like, look, they're they're this big athletic team and all that. But it harkens back to what Mike D'Antoni said after we knocked out the Rockets last year. He was very defensive about the idea that it wasn't his small ball that didn't work. It was that the Lakers are the best small ball team in the league. And I I think that to him, defending his theories on basketball is especially important. And that and D'Antoni is and that style of play, the Nash D'Antoni, that is just from pure influence on the NBA. There are fewer there are there are very few duos that had more more influence on how the NBA plays basketball now. Than those two say whatever you will about their overall success, but a lot of the concepts that they they popularized changed the game. And I think that within people who love basketball, one of the things that I love is their kind of adherence to different religions within basketball, different uh, thoughts. And MDA and and Nash, I in my observation, are this is very important to them that their style of play works. What I would argue is that this Lakers team this year is built in a different way than last season's and is more equipped to deal with smaller teams as a bigger team as a function of Andre Drummond's speed at his size. He is physically overwhelming. He Bam, who's a wonderful defender, he was just too big for Bam, right, on, on several plays. Bam won some battles as well, but you have to beat our defense with precision on offense the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving specifically are two of the most technically precise players in the NBA there was this one play where it was a baseline drive skip to the corner swing 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 back to the original side of a wing and Drummond had closed out but he had done a middle closeout there are three different types of closeouts that you coach right the I'm going to chase this three-point shooter off the line close out the one where you pull up real short because that's Matisse Tybull or someone like that, that you're closing out to. And then the one in between Drummond does the one in between is in good defensive stance and technique. Kyrie recognizes that instantaneously that he's got enough room goes up with the three and drills it, but he was there. Drummond was there for the rotation. So usually that Kevin Durant makes a baseline drive and compromises your defense. And then three very precise and very fast swing passes. That usually means a wide open wing three for Brooklyn. It does not mean that against the Lakers. And we saw that on a few different occasions where without look, they weren't at their best. They, we were without a couple of our guys as well, but they are less equipped to deal with our size. Like Alfonso McKinney, his success 
in this past game in part was because he was more athletic. Like you've got Landry Shamit trying to keep him off of the boards. Joe Harris, just think of the, don't think of these guys from their basketball skills. They're wonderful players. Joe Harris is one of the best shooters in the world, but strictly as an athlete, you've got Landry Shamit, Joe Harris, uh, who are some of the other dudes that like even LaMarcus Aldridge versus Drummond, right? There's, there's not that pop. And so I would argue that we are more well-equipped to deal with what they're overwhelming at than they are to deal with what we are overwhelming at. To speak to that point, just really quickly, Joe Harris had eight shot attempts yesterday, right? It reminded me a little bit of what the Lakers were doing to like Miami shooters, right? When Duncan Robinson would have like, oh, guess how many shots Duncan Robinson took in an NBA finals game? He took five shots or he Mm -hmm. took six shots. There's a certain amount of, yeah, we're here. And if you're going to do something against that, you have to make a physical play to beat. That's right. We limited Houston's attempts in this whole argument about MDA's style of play. Remember, that was one of the big stories of that series is that Houston was shooting 50, 63s against everybody else. And then that's all of a sudden mid 30s, low 40s against us. Well, it was also the point where it's just like, oh, well, Houston never loses when they shoot forward 40 percent from three. And a part of that was volume. Right. Right. Because if they're getting up 43s, 45s, 53s and you shoot 40 percent on those, that's a ton of points. But they lost like several games during the series, Mike, at least two, I think, where they shot over 40 percent from three, but still lost because they did not have the volume that they would typically get. Sorry, we're on a sidetrack here. Go back to whatever point. No, but it all ties in together. It all ties in together because so. Even taking the where Pete started with the definition of D'Antoni and Nash and small ball and the way that they play it, the system has been enhanced by teams like the Warriors that have Draymond Green, who can play the five defensively and still protect the rim by Anthony Davis. So those are the guys that break small ball because you're still big defensively. Yes. And yes. as the principle, not about height, not meaning you can't score at the rim. If you get past your defender, guess who's there? And it's not just AD, it's LeBron. As we always thought, LeBron never gets enough credit for how great he can be flying over from the weak side and packing someone, Darius, at the rim. So that's what the Lakers have. And that's why, this, to tie in the three-point shooting form, you don't have to help off three-point shooters that much. What you can do is run them off the line or just stay in their grill. And it's why players that are like three-point specialist types, J.J. Redick or Kyle Korver, they eat in the regular season in part because of screen snow looks. Those looks go away in the postseason. You've got to bring more than just being able to do that. And, and it's why I'd much prefer a guy that like Caruso to a Redick or a Korver because he's going to occasionally knock down the wide-open three that he's going to be left to shoot, but he's going to help you on the other end so much more because your stars are doing the work anyway. And that's on almost every play. Have. Yep. Yeah. Yep. One of the possessions that I thought was just so great from the Lakers, KD was out on the perimeter and, and almost anyone that KD was matched up against yesterday was going to be a mismatch in KD's favor, right? Like he's Kevin Durant. That's true across the entire league. And the Lakers instantly recognized this and they sent a guard like they have over the last season and a half under Vogel, they sent a guard to go double. And then they instantly went into their scramble defense behind that. And their rotations were just so on point out of that, that 
by the time they were done scrambling, it was exactly like that Houston series because they forced the Nets to reset. And it was like, okay, like we're passing, we're passing. There should be an open shot here, but close out, close out, close out, contain, contain, contain. And everything was back to like, okay, well, now everyone has a natural matchup again and we've beat this possession. You had advantage with Kevin Durant. We recognized that advantage and sent two at the ball. And then we were fast enough behind the action. And that's been the Lakers philosophy pretty much this entire time under Vogel and credit the Lakers players and credit Vogel for laying out these ideas that this is how we can do it. But there's a certain amount of connectivity and belief in what the team is doing defensively in order to execute some of this stuff. And it's just great to watch how, and I said this last pod, but it bears repeating that this version of the team right now is ramping up to something that they understand they are getting ready for the playoffs with or without their top dogs. And they know that they have to get better and they have been getting better. And the reason why they've been losing games has mostly been because they've been shorthanded. It has not been because of lack of effort or even what they've been doing defensively, which is what they've been hanging their hat on this whole time since since Vogel was hired. There are so many details in basketball. It's I, I always talk about it as a puzzle. Um, and every time we've been presented with that new puzzle, we've gotten better because, and this is what I'm so proud of in in watching this team, it's it's evident that we have a bunch of guys on this team on the floor, on the coaching staff, in the in the film room, the actual Lakers film room, uh, that take their jobs seriously and that they are trying to solve that puzzle every day. And this can be lost in a there was such the sense of when LeBron and AD went out like, oh, you know, those are our two dudes. We're probably going to suck. And none of that was wrong, per se. But if you're sitting in their shoes, they're like, no, we just got a new puzzle that we got to figure out. How do we do this? Dennis Schroeder has been the if not the first option on a team on a lot of different units. He's been a bench guy of which he was the main guy that bench unit was built around. It's different to start in the NBA for sure. But Montrez Harrell's been the leading or second leading scorer on his team. Uh, Andre Drummond's been a first or second option his entire career. These are guys with pride and they're guys with talent too. There's a ton of talent on this team. I just want to give a quick shout out in that vein, Mike, to Markeith Morris, who is a guy who you can just like throw the ball into the mid post and like, I'm going to hit you with this like, sidestep 18 footer straight out of 1997 like just want to show a little bit of love for for Keith of being one of those guys who can do more in these circumstances and can also do less and do it well when LeBron and AD are around both Keith and Harrell took exception to questions after the first couple of games without LeBron and AD when a lot of the questions were and and I asked one of them myself uh, which were sort of well you guys don't have LeBron and AD, so what are you going to do? And Trez was more adamant about it, and he was like, hey, no. He basically just rejected the premise. Like, hey, I'm, I'm not out here to worry about that. I'm trying to win games. I believe that we can win these games. And Vogel echoed that same point. So I think that was a that's, that is shown, right? That is shown in how much that they've competed. And, Pete, I don't want to diverge off this point if you wanted to make a further one, but I, I'd, I, I'd be remiss to not go back to something you had said earlier about Drummond and – basically the way that he can play quickly 
and it to loop you in Darius, it made me think of the way that you're always talking about the Lakers being at their best when they're scrambling, when they're attacking on defense. So I would, I would love to hear more about how you think Drummond can fit that style. Uh, if it's him, it's AD, it's LeBron, it's say, you know, KCP and Caruso or KCP and Schroeder or Kuzma, like one of, you know, one of those other, those other two guards that can get around the perimeter. Like, how do you see that playing out and fitting into the scrambling style when they can just basically get after teams? Pete, I don't know about you, but the thing that I'm intrigued about with Drummond is that he seems to understand where he's supposed to go. There's been some mistakes, right? And there's going to be more of that. But the great thing, unless you're Anthony Davis, right? So if Anthony Davis is out there on a guard, isolated the Lakers are never running a second guy out there to help Anthony Davis in order to basically scram him out of that matchup and then have him rotate somewhere else it's very rare that they will do that to AD they will they would definitely do it with Dwight last year with with JaVale I'll be very interested to see if Drummond is one of those guys who they trust to hold up out there or if they feel like okay well we're running a guard out there to help you because if the guard gets run out there, you're now tasked with rotating somewhere and where you go is going to depend on a bunch of different factors and the instantaneous decision-making that you need to have in those instances is it's right there in front of you and, and you better choose right or else you're going to be running to the same guy as a teammate. And then it's just going to be one more pass and then you're cooked. And part of the Lakers excellence on defense in those situations is that they rarely make those mistakes. And, and, and so is the decision-making aspect there something that is on your mind, Pete, as, as like, like, how much of that does Drummond have, or is it more the physical ability to hold up in certain situations that that matters more to you? I think it's if I can choose an option C, I think it's more philosophical. I am very curious if we do send that second guy to trap. I, I'm so glad you brought that up specifically because we've been doing that a lot. We did that with Mark. I wondered, I was like, how are we going to defend the way we do on the perimeter with Mark Gasol, who doesn't have that agility, right? Doesn't have that short area burst, the physical gifts that Andre Drummond has, aside from the strength, right? Both very strong guys. And we were trapping. We've been trapping ball handlers when they get to the wing uh, in isolation situations, not in just in pick and rolls. And what that does is that dictates the terms of the possession to get into a style of play that we want to play. We trap you. That creates a four on three elsewhere. And now you've got to be swinging the ball and rotating and, and, you know, rotating it, finding the open man while what we're doing is flying around. And like you said, we rarely make those mistakes on rotations when we're really locked in. Uh, now, mind you, that's that's too binary of a way of framing it. If you had a hunt, if if it was like a scale of zero to one hundred, we're a team that's that can get into the nineties. Teams make mistakes all the time. Yeah. We make fewer of them than other teams do. Um, but we're flying around in this style of play of which you are not used to playing. There are not other teams in the league who do this to the way to scale that we do. Philly is the team that comes closest. Philly is the team in the NBA that reminds me, reminds me the most of who we are. That's why I'd be super interested in a Eastern conference finals with them and the nets, but I digress. Um, but that 
Did you guys ever play Tetris when you were growing up? Yes. Of course. Of course, bro. Especially on the calculator, especially on the uh, the graphing calculator in calculus class. Perfect. So you guys will understand. The, you know uh, what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, Darius. I do. Your TI. <laughs> yes. TI-85, bro. Right. That's right. Oh, wow. Oh, I haven't thought of that in years. Yes. Yeah, so when you play Tetris, right, like every every time you get 10 lines completed, you move up a level. And the game gets a little bit faster, right? And you got all these different pieces that are falling down and that you can rotate and you got to slot them in so you get a full solid line across if you've never played Tetris before. Every time you bump up, it gets a little bit faster, a little bit faster. And sometimes a piece doesn't quite fit. And as it gets faster and faster, what starts happening when it starts piling up? What starts happening to your decision making when it gets faster and faster and you got less and less time? I mean, I'm an, I'm, an elite, I'm an elite Tetris player. Okay. So, oh, you know, geez. I know you're trying to ask for, you're trying to ask for, like, you want me to say, oh, it gets harder. I just, my focus just becomes that much more direct. Just razor sharp. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're one of the few people that I would actually believe that from. You're, you're one of the most competitive people I've ever met. It's great. Oh, man. But, but yeah, we're asking guys to make decisions on that level 10 tetris that maybe aren't used to making them it's it's joe harris attacking a closeout with dennis schroeder breathing down his neck they called an ato yesterday where it was set up now this is this is different with Kyrie and with harden in the mix no doubt right but they called an ato where it called for landry shamit to bring up the ball Kyrie was on the floor but i'm almost certain it was set up for him because he didn't bring the ball up but shamit is supposed to bring it up there in a horn set well, Dennis Schroeder just ball pressures Landry Shamit. Just zoom into that moment of a basketball game. You've got Dennis Schroeder, nasty and fast and just a dog on defense, right? Against Landry Shamit, who's not in the NBA because of his ball handling. And he heats him up a little bit. And Shamit has to throw that entry pass from a little bit further away than he otherwise would have. And throws it a little bit faster because he's a little bit sped up. Montrez Harrell jumps the passing lane, gets a layup in transition so that play that they set up which d'antoni draws up great atos probably would have scored for brooklyn that high end of an offense but that mismatch that athletic mismatch and that speeding up players who are not used to making decisions that's part of why i'm super interested when they've got all their dudes yeah because i think that's one of their concepts right is i'd love to hear you guys just closing thoughts on we have to kind of imagine the same way that steve nash was about our size you've got a bunch of really talented offensive guys that are probably as well equipped to deal with our scrambling and our flying all over the court. What is, uh, how, how can they beat us? I'd love to hear your guys' perspective on that. The Nets have to feel like they are the kryptonite to that, right? Because, yeah, try to speed up Kevin Durant, right? Try to speed up Kyrie Irving. Try to speed up a James Harden. These guys are master pace setters. They control, they control the game. And as much as you try to, to speed them up, they, they have the ability to then move like Neo in the Matrix, right? Where it's just sort of just like, oh, yeah, well, all those bullets were firing, but I'm just like, oh, moving this way, moving that way. I dodged all that, and now you have to go at me again. The other part of that is, though, is that the Lakers are betting that with LeBron, with AD, with KCP, Andre Drummond, Alex Caruso, and to a lesser extent, Markeith Morris, and on down the line, right? Kyle Kuzma, 
and Dennis Schroeder, they have enough. They will come at you with athlete after athlete after athlete. And at some point, it is going to be Bruce Brown barreling down the middle of the court with the ball. And, oh, that's not a layup anymore. That was a layup just yesterday Mm -hmm. against Team X. And against Mm -hmm. the Lakers, suddenly there's a big dude right there. And now Bruce Brown tries this wraparound bounce pass out to the corner, right? And there's Blake Griffin spotting up perfectly right there, just waiting for this bounce (laughs) pass to come right into his shooting pocket. And guess what happens? THT is covering the corner because that's his rotation. So he is rotating down, easy steal, right? And the Lakers want to put the Bruce Browns, the the Joe Harris's, the... Claxton's, even the Jeff Greens, even the Lamar Aldridge's, mm-hmm. the Shamets, right? All of these guys who I think that Aldridge and Blake are probably probably should not be included there, but but even they at For this sure. stage um, against different types of athletes could probably be put in situations where they're not as comfortable as they would have been For sure. in their physical primes, right? But that's the point of what the Lakers are trying to actually do, and you cannot play. You cannot play James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant on the floor all together at the same time for 48 minutes. That's not how the game works. And the Lakers hope, I would think, that the culture of defense and accountability that they have created is going to be there for 48 minutes where all of your stars may not be. Right. And if there's any big picture takeaway to take from this stretch where AD and LeBron have both been out, it's that these guys together right now have sort of been building up that identity even more without their top guys. And we talked about this last last pod, but integrating those guys back in, if that can be close to seamless if they can be there with the defensive intensity, Mike, that's where you feel like, ah, the Lakers are on to something because the offense will come. But from Vogel's perspective, if we can hold you down to 100, 102, 105 points per 100 possessions, we have LeBron and AD and we're going to score enough to get you at the end. Brooklyn is a, a lot like the Warriors of the last couple of years with the exception that they don't have that Draymond position covered. They don't have that guy that can transition to protecting the rim and playing defense. They've got the overwhelming offensive talent that can win a finals on its own. It it really may be enough, but I will pick the Lakers because I think the Lakers, not only do they have not just Anthony Davis, but I think LeBron uh, in that defensive context who who can make a bigger difference um, even than Kevin Durant, especially this stage of Durant's career that I think that that is kind of the tiebreaker. And then on offense, as we've talked about so many times, LeBron and AD are are going to be able to create shots closer to the basket. And over the course of a a physical seven-game series, if both these teams did happen to get to the finals, I just don't see how Brooklyn can, can do that, can hit enough shots four times. And again, I know they used to say that about the Warriors. And they did, but the difference was that team could lock you down. That was that was perhaps the best defensive team in the league. And Brooklyn, I think, can be a good defensive team, better than everybody thinks when they're all locked in. I just I just see that it's that same difference of there are LeBron and AD 
add Drummond in physicality wise to a certain extent. If you need to add Marcus all in physicality wise, if you need to add Trez in for a couple of bench minutes, if they're not playing Claxton, he's going to eat uh, with a guy like Aldridge. So I just, I just think I'll, I'll, all things being equal, I will still take the bigger, more physical team um, over the course of the series. Yeah, and I think that that is a central part of our identity of how the team was built conceptually. And I think just one element of it that we don't always factor in is this team's going to be exhausting to play against, right? Like to bring it back to the whole welterweight versus heavyweight analogy that doesn't mean that Lamarcus Aldridge won't win some battles against an Andre Drummond but he's going to have to dig deep and if he's going to win that battle it is going to be very hard he's going to have to uh, expend a lot of energy that's not always great for a jump shooting team when you expand that concept of Drummond versus Aldridge out to a broader sense of the Lakers size physicality and speed and overall athleticism when you have to run a little faster to keep up with KCP or Dennis Schroeder you don't have as your legs aren't as good on your jumpers right that whole easy 45% shot that you normally hit as a result of how incredible Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden are Maybe you don't hit it at 45% anymore, even though it's a semi-open shot. Maybe it's a 35% shot now because you don't have your legs, right? These things add up on a physical human level that I think um, I like where we stand in that particular matchup while giving a nod to the fact that that was not Brooklyn's best, that they have a ton of extremely precise and uh, and talented and technically superb players Um but it is a battle of basketball philosophies, and I'm very excited to see. Let's let's hope it's not the last time these two teams play. I would love to see that in the finals, but a lot of work to do between now and then. I'm proud of the Lakers for focusing on the day-to-day, on what they can get better in every little moment, in every little game, every time that they get out on the basketball court. Just a, a great day to be a Laker. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Bryant, unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James. 
putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.